0: Welcome into our small fleet and owner operators summit here on FreightWaves TV. Super excited to be kicking off this FreightWaves TV event with a very exciting keynote talking about what small owner operators and independent fleets can do to really combat some of the biggest challenges in the industry right now. As we know, space is incredibly fragmented and we have a lot of these small fleets that are still really trying to work this down market, stay afloat stay profitable and try to flourish even in a tougher economic time. So joining me today to talk about some of these big challenges in our keynote address, we've got Louis Pugh with us, who is the Executive Vice President at OOIDA. Louis, thank you so much for joining us today for this keynote address. Super excited to have you guys in tab OI to kind of headline our event.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. We're always willing and wanting to reach out to make trucking better and help those who want to be owner-operators, those who are already owner-operators, to be more successful.
0: So when it comes to our small fleets, our owner-ops, I almost kind of think of them as kind of like the lifeblood of the trucking, right? Because we know that big fleets exist, enterprise fleets exist, and they're the big names. People see them all the time. But at the end of the day, a lot of these smaller fleets, one to 10 trucks, are doing a ton of the work in the industry. And they need a lot of support, especially in a time where the economics, the market, aren't so good. When you're looking at a owner operator right now or a small fleet operator in that one to 10 truck space, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing them? Just very, very high level.
1: Um, Yeah, and you're correct. Small business trucking is like 94% of all the fleets out there somewhere in that 90 high, mid, low 90s. And they do, they make up a large thing and it is very tough. Um, right now, I would say the challenges that they are facing in this market is, and we're already been seeing it for a while, is just how the market's softening up due to COVID. Of course, we had this big increase of capacity of trucks. There was all kinds of freight, all kinds of guys got into the business. Uh, fleets expanded, all these things happened. Well, now as trucking does, as, you know, I, I me personally was in trucking, had my own business for 20 some years. You know, you always got the ebb and flow. We're on the downward trend now. So, you know, that's the big thing, the softening of the market, especially on the spot market. You know, if you're out here using brokers, which a lot of our guys do, that that's where we're really seeing the big hits. So
0: when you're in enterprise fleet, you are very much insulated from these big time market swings. You have the availability in your funds and you have the availability in your driver pool, your equipment pool, all of that to ride these big time rate swings from carrier favor to shipper favor back and forth. When you're a small fleet, your margin for error and your margin for market change acceptance is a lot thinner than it is if you are a big time enterprise fleet, because you have to think about these things. Every single set of your operating cost is something that you absolutely have to think about and focus on. Obviously, the way that rates have changed in the last like nine months has been uniquely unfair to these smaller guys. As we're coming down into now the start of the second quarter of 2023, do you think that we have seen maybe the bottom of our smaller owner operators being impacted by rates? Or are they still really having to be cautious about every single cent that they're trying to earn?
1: I still feel that we're not quite to the bottom yet. I hope we are. But I still feel there's a lot of and when you watch the government and the news and all the finance stuff, it seems there's still a lot of instability out there. So, trucking, you know, I always say, trucking feels all these things first. But I mean, it should always be. I mean, the key thing for these small business guys, first and foremost, is they need to know their operating costs. Secondly, they need to have good customers. And you know, brokers are sometimes a necessary evil. And I don't mean them as bad, but if you're a small business guy, you more likely have freight in a certain area, but you don't always have freight somewhere else, so you need these to get them back. That's what brokers should be being used for. In times like this, if you're a small business guy, you should and and you have customers like you should, you should have shippers that you work for all the time directly. You should be somewhat insulated like the big fleets are of being able to ride these things. The important thing, though, is continue good customer service, continue to give them what they pay for, and they'll be so much more likely to continue to use you and even maybe pay you a little more.
0: That's a really, really good point that you bring up that I think an owner-operator or a smaller fleet is really uniquely positioned for, is they don't necessarily have to worry about the issues of big business, and they can really hone in on those customer service skills on those service levels. And oftentimes they're way better communicators than some of our big-time enterprise fleets are. It gives them a little bit of an advantage when you're trying to win free and book loans, right? When you're talking about now making sure that your service standards are up to par, what are some of the best tips that you can give to make sure that they're operating with the same amount of caliber that a bigger fleet has?
1: Yeah, I would say, not only to say, I would say you can actually operate with them better. And, and here's where I get that. I learned a long time ago whether it's fair or not fair, when you go to a shipper, you go, especially, you go to a receiver, I guess would be the better statement. Usually when you get to that receiver, they look at you as an extension or whoever you're hauling for. And you don't work for those people. I used to haul for GE. I had a direct contract with GE. I hauled water treatment chemicals for. And when I would get to places, they acted like I was a GE employee. That's, Good sometimes, that's bad sometimes. But the thing was, I helped for them enough. I had these chemical toads. I learned I could help the ship receiver if there was a little problem. Maybe they needed a seal fix me. I would do things like that. them necessarily aren't the purview of my job or my contract that I need to, but I did that little extra. That made the receivers happy, which in turn, I went back to the same places a lot. They were happy to see me. They unloaded me. It made the shipper very happy because they didn't have to send people out there to do it. I would tell them or whatever. So you got to think about that. Secondly, when you get somewhere and you have a problem, try to retain, contain yourself. Don't yell at the guy. the no, talk. Don't lose your cool with your customer. Okay, that customer belongs to somebody. You know, you're, you're delivering it's whether it's the shipper you haul for or the broker you haul for or if you're leased to a bigger carrier, the agents, that customer belongs to somebody. I tried to never lose my cool with the customer and sometimes I made it really hard. Now, I would call and maybe lose my cool with the agent or the shipper or somebody like that a little bit and say, you need to do something. This is your customer. You need to fix this problem. And they will But, you know, There's times you got to stand your ground, but usually, as the old saying goes, you can catch a lot more flies with sugar than you can with salt. So that's why you try to be nice. Be professional. Remember, trucking's a business. You're a business operator. Dress professionally, and I don't mean suit and tie and all that stuff, but, you know, have a nice shirt on. You know, be dressed for the job. Be dressed for what you're hauling. Don't be dressed for the beach or something to that effect.
0: Absolutely, I, I love all of those tips and I think they're especially useful for people who are entering the industry for the first time and maybe have kind of an antiquated view of what it takes to be a truck driver. And I wanna zoom in on that a little bit more, specifically with all of the new entrants that we saw to the market in really the last three years. A lot of folks who maybe you are now starting to see trucking in a brand new light, specifically the life of an owner operator. And I think it's speaking a lot to the younger generation, to your Gen Zs, to your younger millennials who are maybe looking for a career change or possibly just looking into getting to something that has stability and career longevity without the necessity of going and getting that four-year degree. When you look at people who want to enter the industry for the first time, either as an owner operator or looking for a small fleet, how do you get started? If you are brand new, if you the only exposure that you've had to trucking, maybe you've just been seeing them drive down the road, right? How do you start this first step and make sure that you're getting in and setting yourself up for success, maybe not setting yourself up for failure?
1: Well, first and foremost, don't buy a truck right off the get go. Again, if you've never driven a truck or been in a trucking business, don't buy a truck to start out. You know, baby steps. Um, I would say. If you have no experience at all, you've never sat behind a wheel of a truck, you need to find a good, good training place and not one of these places that has a billboard that can get you a CDO in a week or in 24 hours or any of these places. Try to do some research. Community colleges and stuff seem to have the probably the best in our experience over the years, better than even, I mean, to me, I wouldn't even tell you to go to a carrier when I would try to find an independent and there's going to be some expense, but there's grants and stuff like that you can get as well. But um, you can call here to OIDA. I'm not we're not going to tell you to, but we can help you go through it. That's one good thing is OIDA. We have research, but, but first and foremost, find a good quality school that will train you because that's something very important to us. And we see that problem so often out here. The guys are not, guys and gals are not trained well ahead of time or in advance of this. And um, next, So, first of all, do that. Then you got to get a job. Now, like most things in jobs, you got to pay your dues. So you're probably going to have to get a job, more than likely, for one of your, you know, larger trucking companies you're in you know, a big box trucking companies. Maybe you can get a job with one of the LTL companies. Maybe some they have some apprenticeship programs. And if you can do an apprenticeship program through like an LTL carrier or somebody like that, to me, that's the best way to do it. But if not, go to a big, you got to go to somewhere. Be very careful. Take your time, pay your dues. And then after a year or two, you can change to work for somebody better, whether it's a private fleet, maybe you want to become an owner operator. Maybe you don't buy that. And, and there's a lot of, and it's one thing to come in a truck driver. It's another whole thing becoming an owner operator, but just to become a truck driver, which is back to your original question, good school, good education, probably a community college. It's your best. And then if you can get with some sort of an apprenticeship program, Like a lot of these LTL carriers offer, go that route. If not, find a big carrier or somebody that will hire you and just be really careful. And I do tell you this, wherever you go, try to get training to drive a standard. The trucking's going automatic. There's no doubt the industry's going toward automatics, but there's still carriers out there who have manual trucks. I just had a member... His wife works here, actually, who went to trucking school, got his endorsement, only drove automatics, got the automatic only on his license. And then he got offered a really good job, but to- the company only had manuals and wouldn't hire him. So he had to hunt around. And it's very, very hard to finally get somebody who would let him use a manual truck to take the test again to get the manual so he could have the manual endorsement. So by all means, get the man- don't get that automatic only. Because you're limiting yourself.
0: Making that decision to strike out from driver, just a driver to an owner operator, as you mentioned, is a big time decision because then you become way more than just a drive. You become your accountant and you become your marketing person and you become your point of contact, your sales rep, you become your driver scheduler, your dispatcher. Like that is all you if you are working independent as own. And finding those contacts, those people to work with you then can sometimes be a little bit more difficult because you're doing all the work, plus you're driving a truck. When you're talking about trying to navigate that world, do you have any tips on what it takes when you're becoming that owner-operator, what it takes to make sure that that is set up for success?
1: Yeah, and this becomes way more more complicated. First off, I would suggest that if you before you do anything, kind of think about get in mind what you want to do, kind of create a business plan. One thing I strongly urge people to do, and it's a little advertisement, I guess, for us, our foundation here in Oida, which their mission is training and educating of truckers, is they have a lot of videos you can watch. A lot of them are free, even if you're not a member. But I would suggest you do that. Watch some of those. They also offer a course called Truck to Success once a year. You can take, and it kind of goes from being a company driver all the way through to be your own motor carrier. It's three days, and it's very, very, very uh, down into it. It's not any kind of hat. It's all talking about what it takes, and it gets very detailed, very deep. It's like drinking a fire hose for three days, and it's a little bit of an expense, but I always tell people, you're getting ready to make one of the biggest expenses, if not the biggest expense of your life. I mean, my first trucks caught co- my all, all my trucks cost more than my first house. My first two houses, to be perfectly honest with you. So this is very, very, very big, it's very expensive. But do your homework, do your research. Have capital. Okay? Have money. Have probably six months' worth of money set aside. Don't go into this broke. Don't buy in to all these ads that we see out here. We'll sell you a truck, no money, no credit, whatever. If you don't have money and you don't have credit, don't go in the trucking business. It's that, just don't do it because you're going to fail. Don't lease purchase. And I, you know, I know there's the exception to every rule. There's some, there's some lease purchases out there that are pretty fair and pretty good, but don't lease purchase just stay out of that because the mass majority, well over ninety some percent of those, they fail because they buy this truck and they're not making any money and they leave and they lose the truck and and and, and they're going to tell you there's no re- non-recourse and all this kind of stuff, but it's not true. If you were looking at one of the contracts, again, if you're an a member, send it to us. We'll read it and we'll show you all the bad stuff in there. So don't do that. So these are all the things you don't want to do. Now, if you've done your research, you've got your capital, you've got your business plan, and you've got over all these hurdles. Uh, and And the other one, the thing I will say before we get into that, be honest with yourself. and And I know it's hard for people, and I hate to be mean and kill people's dreams, but be honest with yourself. If you can't manage money in your personal life, and we all know people that can't. You can be the greatest truck driver in the world, but you can be the worst money manager in the world. And that's just people. If you can't manage a little bit of money as a, in your personal life, you're never going to be able to manage a lot of money as a trucker. It's just as a trucking company owner, you just can't do it. So you have to really be honest with yourself. And then, so if we've done all this, we're good money manager, we understand business, all this sort of stuff. And my next suggestion is Find a good company out there. Maybe it's the company you're working for, but talk to people and you probably want to lease buy a truck, maybe a trailer, depending on the job, but find a good carrier that you can lease to at least to them for a year or two at least. And you may find it's a great carrier. I'm never going to do anything else. I'm never going to get my motor carrier authority. I'm just going to stay leased if they got good contracts and stuff, because again, They have to collect the money. They take care of the back office. They take care of your primary liability insurance. They take a lot of the things, care of a lot of things to keep you in compliance. While they're doing all that, you can learn as an interoperator, operator, freight lanes, like for example, it's generally not a good idea if you're pulling a flatbed to go to Florida unless you get enough money to bounce back to Atlanta. And these are things that you're going to have to learn over time. Where good freight is, where bad freight is, um, working on your truck maybe, how to maintain your truck properly, buying the proper equipment. You can hunt in on those things and become more of an expert on that. Okay? So we went through those steps, and maybe we've honed all that in, and now we think, I want to become a motor carrier. We figured out what we like to haul. We figured out that we like to a flatbed, or we like pulling a... Or whatever and you know there's some things like point tankers and stuff like that again you're probably most of the time a lot better off being leased you know flatbed reefer vans you can you know you just have to wait everything out and figure it because once you become a full-blown motor carrier there's way more work there's way more expense you're now in charge of billing the customers collecting your money finding your own loads you know keeping your back office compliance DOTs will come knock on your door to look at all your back office records and all these things, and and you have to become a salesman. You have to put on that tie, go to customers, talk to them, because like I said earlier, you need your own customers. I cannot stress enough. You don't even want to become your own matter carrier if you don't have some customers, and I would be working on them before I ever got my own authority. Plus, you have to get insurance. It's going to be a great expense. And again, just like you had to have money in the beginning to buy a truck and lease, you need to have some capital saved back because if you're leased to a carrier, there's rules out there They have to pay you within 15 days of all bills being turned in. So if you're doing, you should, you're just be paid weekly or every couple of weeks. When you start dealing with customers direct, GE paid every 120 days, some 90 days, 30 days. You you know, and you can factor. You know, I hear all the well, just factor the money, okay? Factoring. Some guys usually love it, but factoring can be a very very dangerous thing too. Plus, you have to keep thinking. If I factor the money, I'm giving up a percentage of that money to somebody else to advance me money, so I'm taking more of my pie. And I can see guys that say factor where they take quick pay from brokers and they do all these different things and they get a little chunk here and a little chunk here. Pretty soon, you might as well have just stay leased because all these extra money, you're just giving it to other people to do your work for you when you could have just had one person gotten paid every week.
0: So, Louie, it's tough to get into the industry. We know that for sure. And we've only got a few minutes here. And so I want to kind of round this out on a good note talking about okay we're in the industry we're an our operator we're we're finding some success what are our biggest benefits about remaining in this space keeping operating either as a small fleet or on our own and how do we continue to reap the benefits we've done our due diligence we've put in our time we've worked our hours and we're we're starting to see some success how do we keep that train rolling
1: i think did it on a good note like i had a small trucking company from the time i was 22 had it for almost 25 years before I came here in the office. The first few years were a little tough, but as I figured things out and became, I i, I don't like to call myself an expert, but became successful and figured out how to do it, um, you, you know, talk to people, learn from people, talk to successful people. And trucking can be very successful. I had a very successful career trucking. Trucking was wonderful to me. And, and yeah. I can complain about a lot of the dumb stuff that we all can, but at the end of the day, I have no regrets with what I did. I loved it. I miss it every single solitary day. I would much rather be on the road, being my running my business, and, and then in this office a lot of times. But I know I'm doing good things here. I hope helping, but but I miss it. So it's a very rewarding career. Friends, uh, relationships, cool things you get to see and do. You know, it's so cool. Just to stay, you no, know, and keep it. Just be thinking all the time what you can do to make yourself more profitable. For example, for years I ran big hood trucks, okay? I had good rates. I could afford the fuel. But I, the, the the plain simple truth was big hoods aren't very aerodynamic. So finally, my last truck, I bought an aerodynamic truck. And, of course, that's when fuel was high in 2011, 12, The first year I saved $20,000 in fuel because I got so much better fuel mileage. I didn't look cool, and, you know, it didn't look cool. And I wouldn't tell you that it was my my favorite truck to drive from the inside. It was not my favorite truck to look at. But at the end of the day, and, you know, but, but I also say some guys, I'm not a share truck guy. I, my thing was my chrome didn't get polished unless the pressure washer did it. You know, but some guys, that's their hobby. I had other hobbies that I wanted to put that money into. And it's all what you want to do. But, you, you know, you've got to constantly think of how to save money. I tell people every day, trucking is not a penny-made business. It's a penny-saved business. And that's where you get profits. i truck to success class. The one thing we do when we talk about your business plan is we show what the average big fleet moves freight for, and what the average owner-operator is freight per mile, their cost. And, of course, the average owner-operator is way up here, and the fleet's down here. And I I can't tell you the numbers off the top of my head, but I always tell people when they're doing this, you need to figure out how to get your numbers down here with their numbers. Because if you can, you're going to be way more profitable than even they are. So, but, yeah. Always think about a safe way to do it, keeping your equipment safe, but it's cheaper. Keep track of your tires, because I hear guys, while well, run these tires, because I get these, my, my, the, the screen mileage will do yeah, Because I would write down when I bought tires, and you'd be surprised sometimes. I'd buy a tire that was $250 at the time. You know, we're talking before COVID. And I'm saving $250 over another tire. But at the end of the day when you figured out how many more miles I could run that expensive tire to that inexpensive tire, the actually the more expensive tire was a better deal because it went the mile the cost per mile was way, way less than the cheaper and you have to think about things like this. You know, I did oil analysis, I had a golf kids builder on my truck as time went on to save money on service and stuff like that. Take care of your equipment, maintain it. But figure out economically ways to do it because that's how you beat the other guy that's how you outsmart the other guy and bring home more profit
0: Louie thank you so much for joining us with so much advice and wisdom from over decades in the industry Alida is such a great resource to our small plates to our owner ops thank you so much for being here to keynote speak for us and we look forward to working with you guys again soon thank you and on
1: one final note if I may if you're getting into talking, join our we're here for you, we're a free, re- I want you to join, there's lots of free resources here to help you along the way, so by that, and then finally, to all those of you out there on the road, thanks for what you're doing, please be safe.
0: Absolutely, thank you so much to all of our drivers out there, and thank you one more time for participating in our Small Fleet and Owner Operator Summit. Thank you all who are here watching with us, if you're watching us on live.freightwaves.com, we love it, and if you're watching us anywhere other than there, Head on over to live.freetweaves.com and get registered. We've got lots of content coming up throughout the rest of our day here for our Small Fleet and Owner Operator Summit. If you miss any of it, you can find it on demand on TV.freetweaves.com following the event. Stay active in our live chats. We'll be right back in just a few minutes.